Welcome to the Together for Good podcast, a podcast specifically designed to challenge, inspire, and uplift you in your daily walk of faith. Today's episode is a sermon, but it's not the recording of the sermon from this past Sunday. It's a sermon that didn't even get to be preached. I was supposed to give the sermon this Sunday on June the 27th. However, my flight out of Detroit, Michigan was canceled on Saturday night. There I was waiting in the airport, watching it get delayed further and further, and I'm texting Pastor Gary to say, hey, my flight's delayed, just so you know. And then finally, it was canceled, and I was not able to get home in time to preach the sermon. But I wrote a sermon. I was ready. And so I thought that I would uh, provide that now on the podcast so that at least someone would get to hear this sermon that I wrote. Uh, So that's what this is. I I typed it up. I made a couple of little changes uh, just so it would work better in podcast form. Uh, So a lot of the readings are kind of included within the sermon itself. Uh, But I wanted to, yeah, to to just restructure it a little bit. But more or less, this is what I had hoped to say had I been in Denver, Colorado on Sunday morning. This is a sermon based on a reading from Mark chapter 5, verse 21 through 43, if you want to read that ahead of time. But like I said, I'll give you most of the story as part of my sermon um, and even read little sections of it so you really know what's going on. Uh, But the title of this sermon is We Know How the Story Ends. I hope uh, that you enjoy it. A little something that you might not know about me. I really like reading. In particular, I like to read books that will keep me guessing. Mystery novels, thrillers, young adult fantasy novels. It doesn't matter so long as the book keeps me wondering what's going to happen next. My favorite types of books are the ones that I can't figure out. The ones that are completely surprising to me when I finally get to the ending. I really like being surprised. It's exciting and it's engaging in ways that other stories aren't. But here's the thing. Because I like books that surprise me, that means I never reread a book. I know some people who have favorite books that they read again and again and again. My daughter, Evelyn, has reread the entire Harry Potter series at least five times already. She's not that old. She hasn't been reading that long, but she's read all seven Harry Potter books five times. And I don't get it. That's not for me. I like the twists and the turns. I liked Harry Potter the first time through because there was a lot that I didn't see coming. But I don't see any reason to reread a book a second time because I know how the story's going to end. Now I've got to admit that there's something undeniably ironic about this firm stance I have against rereading books. Because after all, a big part of my job is reading and rereading the stories of the Bible. For example, this story that we read from today, from Mark's Gospel, is one that I've read dozens of times. In fact, I've preached on this exact text at least five other times in my short career as a pastor. And yet here I am, once again, diving into this same familiar story, knowing exactly how it's going to end. And even if you haven't heard this specific scripture passage before, I'm guessing that you were able to figure out exactly how it was going to end even before we got to the conclusion of the passage. 
A brief refresher for you in case you hadn't heard this scripture passage before. We learn in this part of Mark's fifth chapter that there's a synagogue leader and his name is Jairus and he's come to see Jesus and he begs him to visit his ailing 12-year-old daughter. And right there, you know how this story is going to end, don't you? You know that Jesus is going to heal this little girl because that's just what Jesus does. But then there's a twist in the story. And you know how much I love twists. As Jesus is passing through the crowds on his way to Jairus' house, a woman who has been hemorrhaging for 12 years, she reaches out from the crowds and touches Jesus' outer cloak. A little bit about this action. This was an egregious breaking of cultural taboos at that time. The outer cloak that Jesus wore was a prayer garment, the most holy of garments a rabbi would wear. And in those days, no person should ever touch a rabbi's prayer shawl, let alone a woman, let alone a woman who has a bleeding disorder. This woman has overstepped so many boundaries in her simple action, and yet we know how the story will end, don't we? We know that Jesus won't dwell on the rules that were broken, but rather Jesus will focus on the healing, the brokenness that's within this woman. Even before we get to the end, we know how the story will end. We know that Jesus will act with grace and compassion and will give this desperate woman the healing that she so longs to receive. To us, these events from the gospel this morning aren't shocking They aren't nerve-wracking or awe-inspiring to us. These stories are simply comforting reminders of Jesus' goodness and grace. But what must these situations have been like for the woman and for Jairus? I want us to not jump to the ending, but to dwell for a little bit on what's actually taking place. Because I think if we hear this passage in a way that's a little bit different, it, it opens up the promises even more. I want us to try and put ourselves in the shoes of the woman in Jairus just for a minute. I'm going to read for you from Mark's gospel just so we have this fresh in our mind. This is Mark chapter 5, starting at verse 21. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him and he was by the sea. And then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she will be made well and live. Here we get a picture of a distraught and desperate man. Don't jump to the ending. Think about how Jairus must have felt. He calls her his little daughter. And we learn that she's on her deathbed. And we understand that this is his last hope, is to go to Jesus. What must that have felt like for Jairus? Imagine the pain and the dread and the desperation in his voice when he asked Jesus to help his fading daughter. Okay, now listen to the next verses. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had, and she was no better but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, for she said, If I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Think about this woman. Here is this woman who has tried everything to stop her condition. But in a last effort, a moment of complete desperation, she decides to seek out Jesus. 
and touch his outer cloak, even though she knew just how inappropriate that touch would have been. What must that moment have felt like for her? In that pause, after she had touched Jesus' cloak, but before Jesus began to speak, imagine that moment, the distress she must have felt, the fear she must have felt as she waited to see how her desperate and inappropriate action will be received. Okay, let's keep going in the story. While Jesus was still speaking to the woman, this is after he's healed her, while he's still speaking to the woman, some people came from the leader's house to say to Jairus, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? What, was, what must that moment have felt like for Jairus? To hear that Jesus was too late. His last-ditch effort, his final hope for saving his little daughter was on the way to the house, but he didn't get there in time. Imagine the sorrow and the pain and the questions that must have filled Jairus's head at that moment. What if they had moved more quickly? What if he had sought out Jesus sooner? What if Jesus hadn't stopped to care for the hemorrhaging woman? The point I'm trying to make by taking us through the emotions of this passage is that the story reads a lot differently when we don't jump to the end. Instead of getting to the good part, we need to recognize the many real and difficult emotions that must have faced Jairus and that hemorrhaging woman. And then we need to realize that their fear and despair and pain and frustration and loss and questions and desperation are really not that different than what you or I might be feeling on a daily basis. It's been a really weird year. It's been a difficult year. And with everything going on with this global pandemic, all of the frustrations that come with that, but also all of the fear and the questions, not only for our health and our well-being, but for the economy and our way of life and our ability to attend church together, all of it is wrapped up within it. We didn't know how this story was going to end. And so there was a lot of distress along the way. And it's probably not over yet either. And that's not, of course, the only thing that troubles our hearts and souls each day. On a personal level, maybe you're going through health difficulties. And you wonder, what's going to happen next? I know for me, personally, when I read the latest statistics about decreased church attendance or the increase of the number of churches that are closing or the growing number of people who are saying that they are not religious or the Denver Post article that says that the church is on the decline and then we think about how COVID's going to affect it all, I ask myself, yeah, how is this going to end? Or when I hear about melting polar ice caps or the heat dome in the Northwest, or the increasing global temperatures, the rising sea levels, the forest fires. I wonder, how is this going to end? And when I read about another senseless mass shooting, or about a condo collapse in Miami, and I think about those situations and how they could happen anywhere, and they could happen again, I wonder, how is this going to end? Desperation, fear, despair. The truth is, friends, 
the emotions of that hemorrhaging woman or of Jairus, they're not that different than how we all might feel just watching the nightly news. But what we must never forget, what we must cling to at difficult times like these is the fact that we know how the story will end. God has told us, God has promised us that violence and hatred and destruction and death and decay, all of these things that we currently see at work in the world, they will not have the last word in God's great story. Our faith boldly and clearly proclaims that God is not finished with this world yet. The whole story began long ago when the creative love of God overflowed and brought forth this world. And the story of this creation will not end until Christ returns and brings everything back into the love of God. We can be confident that Jesus will heal the bleeding woman and restore Jairus' daughter when we read this gospel passage. But we can also be just as confident that God will never let hatred and bigotry and death have the final say. God has a plan to restore families, not separate them. God has a plan to unite all people, not divide them by race or income or political affiliation. God has a plan for all people to be healed and whole, not for their bodies to be destroyed by disease. God has a plan for swords to be turned into plowshares, for tears to be wiped away, for mourning and crying and even death itself to be undone, and for all creation to be reconciled back to God. I'll be honest, part of the reason I wrote this sermon is because I need to hear it too. I can feel overwhelmed at times by everything that I see on the news everything going on in the world and in my life. And as I hear the stories, I get left wondering how I can be sure that my country, my city, my community, my congregants, my family, how can I be sure that they're going to be safe? How can I be sure that my children will grow up to be successful adults? How can I be sure that some random tragedy won't strike me or the people that I love? And the truth is, I probably can't really be sure about any of this. But here's the thing. I might not know what the next chapter of my life might bring. But I do know how the story will end. Though dark days may lie ahead, though we might be walking right into the valley of the shadow of death, as the psalm says, we shall fear no evil because we know that these moments are not the end of the story. The story ends when the woman is healed and when Jairus' daughter is raised to life. And the story of this end, this world, will only be over when all of creation rests in the loving arms of God its creator. Amen.